Welcome to another episode of the Comfort, Comfort Monk, Monk Podcast. Podcast. We're recording this intro at uh, an outdoor space here in Columbia with John Furr, who was the guest host for the episode this week. He spoke with Sean Eden, the guitarist of Luna, an incredible band um, that uh, John and I were able to bond over a little bit recently. Um, but yeah, how'd it go, John? It was it was good. Um, we, we had a kind of a, a, I thought it was pretty funny uh, start off of the Zoom call. You know, of course, he's in New York City. Um, but I left all that in because I thought he was, I mean, he's just a yeah. funny guy. I thought it was great, yeah. And so um, we got we got going and um, uh, he was trying out new technology to do the call uh, using, uh, you know, it's like recording condenser microphone, I guess, or whatever. Nice. Um, but yeah, we had a, a fun chat and um, that, that's just a, a, a pretty friendly band. I mean, they're very... Uh, fan or, oriented, I would say, you know, like um, they, they're always up for like a little after show uh, meet and greet kind of out, you know, come out and, and speak to. I mean, so many of their fans follow them from show to show that it's wow. they have like a little community. So there was a pretty big break in Luna's like active years, right? Right. Yeah. So um, they broke up in 2005, and um, I won't give everything away because we talk about it in the episode, yeah. but. Uh, they did not do anything for 10 years. And, um, of course, Dean Wareham uh, has continued on, uh, the, the founder and lead singer, songwriter, guitar player for uh, Luna. Uh, he, he has done solo work as well as collaborations uh, duo with his wife, Britta Phillips. So they've remained active, and Sean has remained active, but Luna has been dormant uh, up until 2015 when they just decided to do a, re- a reunion tour. And... Uh, they never committed to it being anything more than that, and they just kind of well now we'll do another one, yeah. and, and then now we're going to do Spain, and now we're going to record a, a, a covers record, and they've just sort of kind of casually kept it going. That's great. So for fans like me, it's been great. Yeah, I was really excited when they put that uh, that Marky Moon cover out recently right. too. That caught me by surprise, and that there's similar like textural guitar stuff going on between television and Luna that oh, yeah. I maybe didn't connect those pieces before as an influence but well not only uh, influence wise but uh, Tom Verlaine played on Luna's penthouse record I didn't know that oh really that's awesome yeah so so Tom Verlaine was a guest guitarist on Luna's kind of most famous record penthouse yeah he's one of the he's the one that does the actual guitar or most of the guitar solo of uh, 23 minutes and in, in I love that song. I had no idea. No but wonder. If you ever see Luna play, of course, Sean. Yeah, right. He's yeah. the one who's. Uh, and actually, Dean, I mean, the, Luna's a cool band in that there's really two lead guitar players. Now, Sean right. is kind of thought of as the lead guitar player, but Dean does a good bit of it too. They sort of swap back and forth and they have very complimentary guitar styles, I think. That's awesome. Playing styles and sounds and everything. Well, dude, thanks for coming on and doing this for yeah, us thanks and, for having and me. helping us make the connection with. with and just making it happen. I'm excited to have him on the show and to have you on the show. That's right. Absolutely. And um, so uh, I, I produce a podcast called Cola Town Underground, which is more local centric uh, compared to, I guess, Comfort Monk is kind of artists and creators and doers from wherever. Right. Uh, but if you're interested in Columbia oriented work, uh, check out Cola Town Underground, available on all the podcast platforms. Yeah. And uh, also look forward to an interview behind the scenes of Comfort Monk. Yeah, man, we're excited we're to come on We're going to flip the tables and, and these guys you. will yeah. be my guests. Nice. 
Well, I think that's a good time for me to get another beer and we'll do your podcast. <laughs> Sounds good. Enjoy. trying this out for the first time like you know like with a real microphone yeah it's coming through clear really okay i hope i mean i gotta start working this stuff out man so i hope this is like i have a few lights on there was a thunderstorm here but now it's like bright again so i've got window light again but it looks okay right yes uh, although i'm only recording the audio it's just an audio podcast okay good okay so now i don't have to worry about how i look that's good. Well, because I thought, well, maybe you're going to, because, you know, on Zoom, you can record the video. Yeah. I'm totally I fine. Be weird too. That's good. But now, because now I don't have to be as self-conscious. Now I can just. No, no. Let's this enjoy is my cocktail and talk. Now, hold on a second. Yep. Hey, let me ask you one thing then. I mean, because yep. this, you're sure this sounds okay like this? Because I could just use computer audio too. No, this sounds really good. All right. Okay. Um, hold on. I'm gonna put. It's kind of warm in here, and I have two air conditioners. So I put that one back on. You can't really hear that, right? There's like a, there'll probably be like a low rumble in the background. I can't hear it at all. All right. Cool. All right. Cool. All right. Um, so I'm gonna do some kind of like cheesy intro. <laughs> <laughs> right on man nice shirt by the way oh yeah the uh brian ferry shirt we saw him up at the beacon theater oh right on yeah i think it was like 2015 wait like that. let me see that shirt a little better you said the brian ferry shirt yeah it looks good. For a minute, I was like, that's Lou Reed. And I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. It's, it definitely looks like Lou Reed. Yeah. Because of the glasses, the sunglasses mostly. Yep. But now I see what you're saying. Mr. Ferry, who who I also greatly admire. Well, Sean, thank you for joining us here. Uh, this is the Comfort Monk podcast. And uh, my name's John. And I run a, a, a podcast called Cola Town Underground. And this is sort of a collaboration with the Comfort Monk folks. And we're really happy to have you here. Right on. It's good to be here. You are back in uh, back in the city now, huh? You've been doing a little traveling this year, yeah. During this pandemic, yes, indeed, yeah. Like I've basically been in between um, New York and San Francisco. Most of the time, I've been in San Francisco. Um, that's where my girlfriend lives. And when all this stuff sort of started going down 
um, in early March, I was already out there. And then, and then like I had this little gig with a friend of mine that got canceled. And then all of a sudden um, she's a teacher, my girlfriend. And she said, Oh, actually, I think they're going to shut down the schools next week. So anyway, anyway, I ended up staying out, out there for like three months. Then I was in New York in, in June for a couple of weeks. Then I went back to San Francisco and now I'm in, back in New York for about a month. Right. And so, and you're in the, the lower East side or East side, East village. East village. Right? Yeah. yeah. You know, lots of history around here. Needless to say, just like everywhere in New York. So I guess the last live show you played was probably the Luna Vancouver show. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Which was a really fun show. And of course we didn't expect that to be the last Luna live show for a while, but, uh, yeah, because we had this little mini tour in early February, which was great. I mean, it was a great tour. We had a great time. Um, but, yeah, kind of disappointing. Like, we had some gigs planned. A couple of them hadn't been announced yet for um, late June, but obviously those got canceled. Yeah. Um, yeah, and one of them's been rescheduled for next April, and I really, really hope that that happens. Because that's basically the, the, been the vibe in the, in the business right now is like, don't schedule anything until springtime of 2021. That's what everybody basically says, like all the booking agents, wow. the managers and everybody's like, you know. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But that hasn't stopped Luna from uh, putting some new material out. Indeed. <laughs> and that was a total surprise. You guys did a legendary cover of uh, an amazing song. And uh, a very amazing version, the uh, oh, Marquee Moon. Yeah, thanks. who's who's and that was uh, okay. Whose idea? How did that come? Basically, about? Basically, how that came about was kind of an offhand joke in an email that Justin, the original bass player, Justin Harwood, the original bass player of Luna, who lives in New Zealand. We we had been, I don't even know what we were all like e- emailing about, like all of us. Uh, and then he made an offhand comment about it saying like, Oh, you know, how about we, uh, you know, he just, just kind of on offhand comment about recording Marky moon. And then Lee chimed in and said like, I'm game. And then I chimed in and I was like, well, I mean, okay, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it, but it's a really, amb- it's a weird thing because it's a really ambitious thing to do. Needless to say, cause it's a really long song and it's a really iconic song. Right. So then, Lee put some drums down and then I started putting some guitar down and then I started thinking like, okay, well, we can't just like kind of toss this off and just sort of like, yeah, we just sort of, you know, covered it. So then I was like, well, we got to do a little bit more with it. And sometimes I I feel like, not sometimes, but I thought about this a bit. It's like, I, I almost wish we'd done even, we'd done more with it. It's a, it's a weird thing because when you're doing these things remotely and you're recording things and sending tracks back and forth and you know sometimes it's like well how deep are we going to get into this should i send another revised track maybe i should change my part you know but you don't you don't want to have things get too disorganized so to speak. and it's and it's kind of easy to feel like you're in your own bubble like that mm-hmm. where there's, especially with uh, working with um justin in new zealand the time zone right the time change difference yeah. you know although maybe that's good maybe it's like he works on it and then he goes to bed, and then you work on it, and then you go to bed, oh. and then he wakes up and hears what you did. 
you know, maybe that's like the more efficient way. You just have to work across the globe. Yeah. But we all did it like, like sometimes somebody would do something like I did my guitars and then like, I don't think Dean put like a, a vocal down or, or his guitar down for like a week or something. It was just like, Oh yeah, I'll get to this in a few days. Like, it's not like we just did it in this concentrated time frame, Right. Uh, but obviously with a, a song like that, so um, iconic and, and long just to say yeah uh you, you had to have someone kind of directing it and it, it it seems like maybe was justin the sort of boss of the project yeah because it was his suggestion he said why don't i mix it and i'll do a video for it too so you guys just start sending me tracks so yeah he basically oversaw the whole thing yeah that video came out really excellent as well yeah i really like it too because i didn't know what he was going to do with it and i was like wow man this is this is cool it's super cool um, and it doesn't hurt, I guess, that all you guys are, are uh, you know, able to, you're professional musicians, you're, you're set up at home for recording. Yeah, uh, basically. Yeah. Even though, yeah, sometimes it's a little trial and error. And I did all that stuff out in San Francisco, um, you know, oh. but I have, I have some gear out there now, too. So, yeah. What has the response been like about that song? <laughs> I mean, the response has been pretty good, you know, again, like it's a weird thing because I, you know, it's almost like trading on hallowed ground, you know, it's one of those right. songs where like, Oh, you sure you want to cover that? But really, right. The response has been really good and people were really like excited. And it's fun too, to put something out like that, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, anytime it's fun to put out something that's just kind of a surprise that nobody knows is even coming. And all of a sudden you're just like, Hey, Here's this thing. Yeah. So that was fun. Do you think you'll uh, continue doing some more kind of home-based remote recording? or I really, what's... I'd really like to. I hope we do. I mean, I've been working on a few other things and some of my own things and stuff like that, too. But I do hope that uh, Lou and as a collective, like, I hope we do some more, yeah, remote stuff. You know what I mean? And then I hope we do some stuff where we're actually playing in a room together, too. Needless to say, everybody feels that way. It, it all, speaking of kind of putting things out as a surprise, yeah. Um, what about the 2019 postscripts? That sort of seemed, seemed to kind of land. Oh yeah, well that was kind of that was, out of the blue. Yeah, that was mostly because Lee Wall had been remixing some things or tweaking a few things that didn't come out on our um, that covers record that we did um sentimental education and so he'd been kind of tweaking a few things and playing around with things and then we had a few things and then we said like oh well why don't we just put out this little ep that's a compilation of that stuff oh so these are excerpts yeah they kind of are they're they're excerpts and and uh and a couple of remixes oh. as well yeah okay yeah i enjoyed the uh something in the air oh thanks man yeah. I mean, I love that song. The original version of that is so great. And that was actually Lee Wall's suggestion to do that. I mean, needless to say, it's kind of a hard song to sing. But the original, like, you probably know this, like, it was produced by Pete Townsend from The Who, and he actually plays bass on that track, too. Oh, really? Yeah, apparently. Yes. But it goes by a pseudonym. <laughs> Tell me about your CFR project. Okay. So... The CFR is a project that I have with my friends Dave Voigt and Christy Davis. Um, Dave Voigt is actually, like back in the day, worked on a few uh, Luna records as well. Um, 
and uh, and he and I have worked on things off and on, you know, for many years. They're usually things of a, a more experimental, improvisational, you know, kind of quasi psychedelic nature, and that's what the CFR is too. And the CFR count stands for the Council on Foreign Relations. It's sort of a uh, play on the name of an actual organization. Um, anyway, yeah, and most of that stuff is actually improvised. Like, basically, we're just kind of doing these uh, stoner jams in, in Dave's living room, which, unfortunately, he moved from that place. But anyway, um, yeah, he had this studio in his living room, so we just get together and just kind of do this weird stuff sometimes. And then we, we've gathered so much of it that we decided like oh well, let's let's tweak this one a little bit and put that out or let's add something weird to this one and maybe edit it a bit and you know so that's what the council on foreign relations is about it's sort of like the crazy improv quasi psych weirdo project I've known Dave since, uh, I guess it's like late 1989, he first moved to New York. Um, so I've known him for a really long time. We played in bands together be before I joined Luna, like in the, you know. Um, and Christy, I've, I haven't known as long, but um, Christy plays drums. Dave plays bass, by the way, and occasionally keyboards on CFR. Christy plays drums. Christy's played in a few bands um, uh, over the years in New York. And, you know, yeah. Um, so they're both really good friends of mine. But Dave just moved to Cleveland. That's a whole other story. He may actually uh, open up a recording studio there. Um, and if he does, I think that Christy and I will go out there and we'll, we'll, we'll do some of our, you know, patented jam sessions out in Cleveland. We'll see. Yes. Yeah. Maybe you'll finish your solo record there. <laughs> Maybe. Were you playing with Davey when you, uh, responded to the Village Voice ad for I don't think I, Luna? no, he, I don't think I was, I, we didn't actually have a band right then at that time, but I did have a band with a few other people. I wonder what our working, I think, I don't know if we had a really working title name in the band. Like back then there was a few different bands. One, Okay. Dave and I, Dave Voigt and I also played in a band with Matthew Bazell, who did the Tell Me Do You Miss Me Luna documentary. And I went to college with Matthew in North Carolina. So the Dave and I and Matthew and this guy, Chris, 
had a ban- a band for a while that we called Damp, D A M P, among other names. Um, but anyway, that was like that was like nineteen ninety, maybe early ninety one. I I'm guessing. Um, but yeah, anyway, so I was playing. A, I did have a band at the time that um, I auditioned for Luna, but it wasn't really like you know going that well. And uh, you know, when I was yeah. I was I was definitely like looking for something else and thinking about something else and you know yeah but ironically enough the drummer in that band my friend Howard who I'm still friends with today um he was the one that I didn't even see the village voice at he mentioned it to me yeah and I was like oh really oh and then and this is what we were at a rehearsal and then later that night I thought like yeah yeah and I went and got the village voice and I looked it up yeah yeah cuz back then did it even say in the ad who the band? Well, it said who the band was, but it, it, were there any details? Not, did, let me put it this way: Did you know that there was a recording contract signed? I did, but I don't think I knew that from the ad. I just knew it from you know hearing about it through mutual friends or whatever. And of course, I was familiar with Galaxy Five Hundred. But I remember when I answered the ad, I actually talked to Justin on the phone, and then I had to go to his apartment in New York and pick up a cassette tape from him, which basically had mixes. Like it had, I think it only had three songs. I think it had Slash Your Tires and Anesthesia and I don't know what else on a cassette tape. And so I took it home and I listened to the cassette tape and learned the songs and then I had to audition. That was the actual Luna Park mixes. But this was before Luna Park came out, you know, yeah. Because I joined the band before Luna Park came out, but I didn't play on the record. Another guy named Sean played on the record, though. Right. The, song. the other Sean. Mm-hmm. Played in a band with Matthew Bazell in North Carolina. What part of North Carolina were you in? Winston-Salem. We were going to um, uh, school at a place called North Carolina School of the Arts. And actually, both of us were studying acting. Um, we weren't in the same class. We're the same age, but... Um, uh Matthew was a uh let's see yeah he was he was a sophomore when I was a senior um anyway yeah so he and I and uh and this other dude lived together when I was a senior and we even had a couple, like a couple of parties at our house there and like okay. played played uh played shows like we had like a, you know a makeshift band we were like we're going to play at our party so yeah i've been so, you know. so, so you didn't you didn't play ziggy's what? No, no, but I went there several times to see bands play. Yeah. We uh, we played with Dylan Fence and uh, Hootie and the Blowfish. No way. At, yep. <laughs> At Ziggy's. Oh that is amazing. I don't know. Wow. We're talking 1990. You might have been out of there. By I then. was out of there by then. I was out of there by uh, the middle of uh, 87. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so is that when you knew Mitch? No, 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 no. Uh, I didn't. I, no, no, no. I didn't meet Mitch Easter until uh, later on. I actually met him. Um, I mean, I actually I may have met him at some party or something back then, but I didn't meet him until the lunar documentary "Tell Me Do You Miss Me" was screened in Winston Salem, and. Um, that's how I met him. Like I was there down there for a few days and Matthew was there too. And uh, 
Yeah, that's and we we ended up hanging out with him a few times. Yeah, but of course I knew all about him. Like I knew. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I was a fan of Let's Active, and I knew that he worked on the first REM. You know, you know what I mean. Yeah. And the new EP was uh, Life Model Decoy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes. Um, Life Model released oh. Released mid-pandemic. <laughs> yes. Were you, um, were you planning a release show for that? Or is this, is this no, we hardly, played live? We hardly ever play live. Although we did play, we did do a show um, last year. Um, but yeah, the CFR hardly ever, ever plays live. And we've actually, like... A few years ago, we played a, a series of shows, too. And I'm not kidding. Like, sometimes those shows are basically, like, completely improvised. We'll just go on stage and and, and kind of be like, okay, maybe, maybe we have a few little, like, things. Like, oh, we're going to kind of play this riff for a minute. But then the next five or ten minutes after that, we'll just be like, well, I don't know what's happening, but this is what we're doing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of a you know you never know what's going to happen and sometimes it can be great and sometimes it's just weird what is the kind of live music scene like right now in new york for things like that you mean like right now no no pre pre you know oh. pre-corona yeah yeah the city's changed right yeah but there's still like cool stuff that happens and weird spaces or sort of alternative venues that do interesting sort of arty things sometimes too like it's still a pretty vibrant place in terms of music and people doing ambitious things that aren't necessarily very commercial so to speak do you think uh some of these places will will uh last after this uh i I mean i don't know it's really weird to like even you know some of the you know the sort of really well-known music venues like i'm assuming like you know bowery ballroom and places like that they're gonna they're gonna be fine because they're partially owned by like really big corporate entities so you know they have a a financial buffer but then i think about some of the smaller places and stuff I'm like how are they surviving how how yeah, yeah. how are they going to do this if they're they haven't had you know zero income all they've been doing is losing money for half a year yeah there's a kind of an iconic uh music venue here that is called new brooklyn tavern and they have been closed yeah. they've done a few kind of like uh, live streams um, but they've just announced that they're opening in a limited capacity no shows but they're kind of pivoting to a little a little like um their takeout restaurants half is going to step up and so they're they're i guess they're just trying to you know get some income coming yeah, in yeah exactly keep things floating because i mean it's kind of scary to try to be an independent musician already and to lose all of your places of i know uh, performance yeah on the small scale you know absolutely and not only that i mean let's face it you know, it's great that people are doing lots of remote stuff and recording things and performing things, but, you know, watching something on uh, online is just, you know, <laughs> not nearly the same type of thing. It depends on how fun the chat room can be. <laughs> well, that's true, too. 
Yeah. And some people, like, I've watched a few things of, of people doing sort of in-home performances that where they've, you know, really done some really interesting things with video or multiple camera things where they're just making it a very, you know, very exciting experience visually. I will point out that I really have enjoyed Dean and Britta's live streams. Yeah, I like their, I, I like those too. I really enjoy Yeah. Them. Uh, excellent sound quality, you know, kind of neat to see. I mean, that's a lot of these live streams you see, they're, they're kind of already maybe acoustic oriented artists. So it's, it's them kind of by them, um, by themselves kind of where they already are kind of a solo artist. Yeah. But uh, it was pretty cool to see them do things, you know, doing 23 minutes in Brussels with no percussion. Yeah, I know. Exactly. You know, there's no pounding drums. It's just (laughs) what is going on other than CFR and Luna. Well, I'm working on some of my own tunes, the so-called solo record, which has been in or out of development for a number of years now. But I I actually have been uh, making some good progress on that. And I actually even have a couple of like, completed rough mixes um yeah so i've been working on that from time to time and working on a couple of um other projects like putting guitar down for friends of mine on some songs that they're working on um you know so i've been working on various projects uh, have even been in the studio a couple of times because you know there are ways to work in the studio with other people where you're basically recording together but you're not right next to each other like you're, you know, I'm in an ISO booth and they're in the drum room or right. something like that. And so that's really right. great. I mean, that's been really nice to be able to do that a few times. Uh, uh, is, is your solo project going to be a full length? Yeah, that's the plan. Yet? Originally, like first I was like, oh, I, I just want to do an EP and put it out really quick. Um, uh, but then with all this stuff happening, I basically telling myself well okay you've got some time you better like why don't you just finish some more songs and make it a full length record right you know and plan plan for next year exactly yeah. yeah yeah um and another thing like right now there's actually a thing uh i guess i can't really well anyway um uh i'm likely going to be um acting in and also playing a couple of songs in uh a uh, independent feature that's getting made here in uh, New York uh, in a couple of weeks time. Um, I guess, well, I probably can't really talk about it that much, but I mean, it's just a low budget feature, but it's, it's pretty interesting. Like the script's pretty interesting. And, and I basically, <laughs> I, I shouldn't divulge too many details, I guess, but I basically play somebody that uh, is not unlike myself, just sort of, uh, uh, you know, an aging uh, quasi indie rocker person that's still doing a bunch of stuff, but you know what I mean? But their heyday was in the nineties. That's basically my character. (laughs) Okay. So that's, yeah, I'm looking forward to that actually. Um, It's a small cast and I've already talked to the director and he said like, yeah, you know, cause they're working out the whole, like, how do we do this when, you know, everybody's got to be wearing masks and stuff. So they're like setting up all these like sort of protocols for like, okay, this is the way we're going to shoot this scene. And, you know, it's a little tricky, but yeah. Have you been doing any other acting? (laughs) In the past, I remember that you did voice work. Uh, That's funny. Um, 
I do some acting occasionally. And, you know, speaking of Justin Harwood, okay, he has uh, written and directed this web series. It's called um, High Road. Um, you, you used to be able to watch some of it on YouTube, but then he did a, a licensing deal with basically a, uh, a service that's not unlike Netflix, but it's based in New Zealand. So you can't, they, because of that, he had to remove um, the content from YouTube because now it's partially owned by this entity in New okay. Zealand. But anyway, it's called High Road, and I'm a recurring character in that series. Yes, my character's name is Topher Wagner, and he's basically like this kind of like buffoonish... Um, uh, <laughs> sort of postmodern quasi preacher, right? He's got like tattoos and stuff, um, and uh, and he's kind of like he thinks he's really cool, but he's kind of a buffoon. <laughs> and actually, the series is pretty good. Like the main character in the series, um, uh, the actor that plays it plays him this guy mark mitchinson is really good he's he's a pretty well-known new zealand actor it's 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 really funny in parts and i really hope that they can uh figure out a way to you know oh we've now you can watch it on this service in the u.s or whatever like because it's hard to watch it i mean you can sort of try to do it if you have like a vpn and then you like you know what i mean proxy yeah exactly yeah so anyway high road i recommend it It's a must-watch for Luna fans. Indeed. Um, okay, so that... Okay, so I'll go back a little bit and say, okay, so the first time I saw Galaxy 500 was with Matthew. So in a way, Matthew is kind of partially responsible for me joining Luna in a way because he was in the Galaxy 500 before I was. Um, anyway, so, you know, and then once I joined Luna, he was living in LA at the time. Uh, he, he'd been living in New York before then we were actually roommates. Then he moved to LA. Um, and so Matthew's, you know, been friends with the band since the, since the get go. Um, so, you know, yeah, he's been to many, many shows and, and hung out with us many times. And so when, 
it came to pass that we decided we were going to disband. <laughs> that happened in 2004. Um, that's when we basically made the decision, right? I, yeah. Um, then he proposed the idea of doing a documentary on us and about us doing our final tour and decide, you know, deciding we're going to quit and deciding we're going to say, you know, announce that we're disbanding, but we're doing one more tour. And, but you also had recorded one more record, correct? That's right. The, and uh, we didn't make that decision until after we'd recorded that record, uh, Rendezvous. Yes. Um, Which is one of my favorite records, I have to say. Mine too. Thanks very much. Yeah. Particularly side, side B. I can play side B over and over again. All right on. And yeah. uh, that record was recorded a little differently than your other Lunar records. Is that correct? Where you, it was more live? I would say overall, yes, that's true. I mean, obviously there were overdubs too, but we probably didn't spend as much time on the overdubs and the basic tracks ended up right. being... Yeah. Uh, yeah. In the moment. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, you can tell for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. And that was recorded. Um, we did that record with Bryce Goggin, um, who's a very well-known uh, New York producer and engineer. And he has a great studio and he's worked on tons of records, just all kinds of uh, cool stuff. Did a lot of stuff in the nineties, you know, everything from like space hog to pavement he's worked on tons of different records yeah and he's he's still working he still he still has a great studio in brooklyn yeah so you finished the record but decided to disband and matthew yeah. had the idea to film um what 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 was the what was the uh what was the scope of the project like because back then it wasn't like you could film it on your iphone this, I mean, they, I'm sure they were carrying around uh, camera. Was there a crew? No. There, a couple of times we had a crew. We had these two um, uh, younger guys that also had cameras. A couple of times, like when we went to Spain, we we brought them with us. And then when we did the the, the you know, final shows at Bowery Ballroom, those had three cameras. But a lot of the time, it was just Matthew, you know, just carrying his camera around, sitting in the van with us, sitting in hotel rooms with us, just like shooting it himself, you know. Wow. Um, yeah, because we didn't, there wasn't much of a budget for that, you know. Like he did, we did end up getting a budget from Warner Music Group or basically Rhino Records, I guess it was. Um, they gave us a budget for that or gave Matthew a budget for that, but it's like, there wasn't very much money, you know? Yeah. Well, not to mention the, the multi-track recordings, I assume that were happening because the, the live, yeah. the live tracking is great. Yeah. I mean, in fact, I had to oversee a lot of that stuff too, because we had these hard drives and this interface and we kept having to, you know, we, and we would use that for all the shows. There's tons of that stuff from that tour. Like there, like there's like, I would say 15 complete recorded shows from that final tour. Wow. Um, and so we have, obviously we've mixed a, a few songs from, from some of those, but there's still a lot of, a lot of stuff in the archives, so to speak. Um, Are they locked down? What do you Lock, mean? Locked down forever. 
No, 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 no. We're we're definitely going to uh, to uh, I guess resurrect isn't the right word, but we're gonna we're gonna do something with some of that stuff too. And by the way, just uh, uh, a related note. Um, Lee Wall is actually right now in the process of mixing some stuff from a few years ago. We, we did uh, uh, um, some album shows in San Francisco a few years ago. I don't even know if I'm supposed, but it's fine. Uh, yeah, so Lee's been working on mixing some of that stuff. So we're, there's definitely more like live stuff. Um, I might be working on some live stuff too myself. Um, there's more live stuff that's going to come down from the pike going all the way back to the 90s, actually. Really? Yeah, yeah, but it'll you know it'll yeah. sort of gradually come out over the next year or two. I would say. A little funny side note: we were in London on that farewell tour, and I was in charge of, like I said, the interface and the hard drives. And man, I you know it was like kind of a you know there was a bunch of people around and you know drinks being. Uh, imbibed and stuff after the show and, and I ended up going back to the hotel and leaving the hard drives all the shows and the interface outside the club on the sidewalk and this was almost at the very end of the tour and then the next day I was like oh my god oh my god and and we're just totally freaking out. We were like flying back to New York that day and I'd like made all these phone calls and then we finally figured out not until we landed, but we were pretty sure that it had been recovered, but not until we landed, I think in New York that we get a confirmation that yes, somebody from the club had actually retrieved that stuff. Cause it was about to be like, I hadn't even made backups of that stuff. So it was about to be like, Oh my God. Oh my God. This is a total disaster. A world tour. Yes. <laughs> everything's gone destroyed wasn't the case yeah wow that farewell tour was really fun even though it was you know kind of sad too yeah sometimes it was yeah. kind of weird feeling like you know especially once we got to new york and we're like okay there's only four shows left and then it's over but you know how the, when those things are happening you don't really you know, you're not really entirely absorbing the uh, profundity of the moment. You're just kind of doing it. And it's not until afterwards or maybe even a while afterwards that you that it really sinks in, you know. I think that's apparent in the film. I mean, there, there's the weirdness of all the um, the travel and the, the sleep, sleepless travel and the trains and the yeah, the uh, language barriers in like Japan and yeah. The, the culture differences yeah. and and, yeah, then, and then all of a sudden you're in new york and i love that uh that there's the interviews of of your fans on the street outside of the Bowery. yeah i love that stuff too yeah anyway yeah we love you we love your band <laughs> thanks man looking forward to hearing more uh, well yeah likewise i mean it's it's hard to believe that even that farewell tour was 15 years ago now you know what i mean because that was in 2005 it's 2020 holy cow but it's been great doing the you know getting back together five years ago and and doing shows and stuff like we've we've had a great time and it's really true that i you know we kind of appreciate it more now 
in some ways, or we're, we're all like a little bit more mellow and just have more fun doing stuff. There isn't as, you know, and it's partially because back in the day, there was more of a, uh, there were more elements of the business associated with it, like record labels, managers, uh, you know, other things that they don't come into play as much anymore. So there's not these, like there, there aren't these weird pressures or people that are part of it or, you know, that are, you know, you're sort of having to think about these things that, that can be a little stressful sometimes that, that doesn't happen as much anymore. It, it doesn't. And, do you think it's better that that there's no pressure? Not necessarily. I really, I don't know. It's it's so weird because it's such a huge subject and it's been discussed so much to, um, you know, sort of like the old business model versus the new business model. And one of the, I mean, it is true that the old business model, if you were a man and you had a record label, it didn't even have to be a major, like, it, you know, you at least knew that, hey, these people are at least to a certain degree going to really help us because they're going to give us money to rec- make a record and they're going to try to get us on the radio and they're going to, you know, whereas nowadays you kind of, you know, you, 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 when you're, when you're, when you're starting out, you know what I mean? It's just hard to do it. There's not, there's just not as much money in that aspect of the business. Nobody makes money from selling records anymore. Mm -hmm. So yeah, bands have a lot more creative freedom and autonomy, um, but they also have to do a lot more themselves to really make something happen. Yeah. The sky's the limit, but you're on your own. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So have you figured out your release plan for the solo record? (laughs) <laughs> no i don't know i gotta i don't know i gotta think about that i gotta i mean i have thought about it a little bit but i have to see how the songs the rest of the songs go i'm one of those people that uh you know i kind of second guess myself way too much and that kind of thing so sometimes i feel i'm like yeah this is great i'm really excited about it other times i think oh, i don't know okay well i'll just keep plugging away and see how these next few songs shape up but uh there'll be some kind of release plan and hopefully like i mean like with most things like i'd love to do at least a a small limited vinyl release or something too you know it's always nice to have a so-called hard copy of something not just put it out into the digital ether Mm -hmm. yeah well i'm looking forward to hearing that thanks man well sean thank you for being a guest here no thanks thanks for having me
gotta be burned, they gotta be Has been a comfort mock production. <laughs>